The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. 12 minutes after 7, Mr. Outdoors rejoins the show. And for the next uh, couple of weeks or so, how many more weeks are we going to be doing on Monday before we go back, go back to Friday, Greg? Um, this week, next week, um, and then, oh, yeah, the following week, so three more. Okay, all right, three more. And then we go back. Then we go back to the normal time. All right. And uh, by the way, the Outdoor Report sponsored by Oregon Truck and Auto Authority, driven by LineX on Airway Drive in Medford. And uh, speaking of uh, us changing us around because uh, of you doing these uh, sportsman and outdoor recreation shows, the KDRV Newswatch show is going to be this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And you'll be there also at doing your uh, Bigfoot and Wolf Talk and various other things. You're going to do it all there, aren't you? making the announcement so even if you don't come by the booth and see me even if you don't get by to the talks that i will be doing on saturday the wolf one at 11 a.m and then co-hosting the bigfoot town hall with scott volette from squatch america starting at five you're going to hear me at the show one way or the other because basically the pacing on making announcements of, you know, speakers in the sportsman's theater or presentation at the fish tank, that pretty much goes on. Um, you know, there's some level of announcement being made about every 15 minutes. All right. By the way, at the end of our report this morning with Greg, we're going to give uh, away two pair, by the way, of tickets to this sportsman and outdoor show. So you can awesome. see Greg and everything else it's going to be it's always a great show we know that so this morning though i wanted to talk a bit uh, you were mentioning to me last night that uh, the weather is very volatile this morning out on the west coast and uh, yep. certainly in our area in fact we could be even looking at the potential for tornadoes in some places that that's not, not something you hear a whole lot out here you, usually you don't oregon averages three of them a year but down south in california that's where our tension is today mm-hmm. And California will average nine tornadoes a year. And if you don't know that, it's probably because either you forget about hearing it under the deluge of information we get these days, or you just never even heard the news about them to begin with. But what's really significant about today is the fact that it's an elevated risk, um, meaning in this case, a 5% chance. From the Marysville area down to just south of Modesto, kind of down towards Los Banos. And a 5% chance for anywhere in California, Oregon, and Washington, that is really high. That is really elevated. And if I had the time, uh, money and gas, this was definitely the kind of conditions I would be going down to California today to be chasing because California is the state where I have seen my second highest number of tornadoes. I've seen nine tornadoes in California, all of them basically the Marysville, Sacramento, uh, Davis areas. Uh, The first one I ever saw down there, I wasn't even officially a chaser yet. I was still in high school, but everybody knew about my interest in weather. Oh, you're all over this now. Anytime anytime you would hear about uh, tornadoes, if it's close enough, you're there. I know. Yeah, exactly. And, 
you know, we're having a basketball practice, and all of a sudden people came running in going, you got to come see this. They were yelling my name. They were screaming, Greg, Greg, you got to come see this. Because, you know, um, we were inside having basketball practice, and I knew a thunderstorm was going on. So I walk outside, and at first I don't see anything unusual, and then I realize everybody's looking to the northwest of the school and then looked in the direction where everybody's looking. And there's a very well-developed stovepipe tornado on the ground that wound up being rated by Sacramento National Weather Service Office as an EF2. And everybody made the same comment that you hear a lot of people make about tornadoes going, look at the birds flying around it. Well, that's not birds flying around it. That's debris flying around it. That was the first thing I corrected everybody on, but I wondered what it was hitting. It hit the McClellan Air Force Base maintenance facility yards, and it was blowing all kinds of stuff up. Oh, man. And it was pretty amazing to watch that, and that thing was probably on the ground. We were watching it about 10 minutes before it finally roped out and died. Um, The last tornado. If you don't mind me asking, though, Greg. My own two eyeballs. We were 11 miles northeast of Woodland, which is, again, pretty close to Sacramento. Yeah, all right. I know that area, too. So, so Greg, what is it about the current pattern that is... uh, that is conducive to tornadoes. What type of, uh, um, now having grown up in the Midwest, I was, right. you know, we were always having to go down to the basement of the house. We get yeah. tornado warnings. They have to get down in the basement back then in Ohio. I remember it well, but what is it today? What is it? Well, down in California, there are no tornado warning sirens. There are no basements. And the thing that gets really spooky about California is when these tornadoes happen, the storms that are going to produce them intensify rapidly. The tornado develops rapidly. So it can drop on you and hit you with no warning, really, that it's going to be coming until most of the time the warnings for the tornado are issued, ironically enough, in California and Oregon, after the tornado's already gone. Oh. (laughs) So it's already done and it's hit. What's going to cause it? Real strong, real deep low coming in off the ocean. It's making its way towards California this morning. There is a lot of instability aloft. Then at the surface, there's going to be some heating from the sun factor in. There's going to be a low-level jet um, of wind developed just above the surface, which is real common in California at this time of the year. So you add the dynamics of a very strong, unstable air mass coming in over the top of those wind fields. And then the mountains down there, uh, the coast range, the Sierras, they start hitting these divergent wind fields and it literally starts helping that cyclonic flow develop. And you get any kind of a storm that gets a big enough, strong enough updraft or mesocyclone going in it, you have the potential to get a tornado to drop at any time. And this area of California, that northern section, San Joaquin Valley, Sacramento Valley, this is one of the few places that I can think of where orographic or mountains will actually help get the spin going that will create tornadoes. This does not happen in the true Midwest style, Mm -hmm. and that's another reason why these things are real tough to get any kind of advanced warning that they're coming because they develop so rapidly. And as I already said, most of the time when a warning's issued, the tornado that's triggering that is already gone.
Interesting. Mr. Outdoors with me this morning talking about uh, some weather, this time affecting our friends in California, friends and relatives, I guess, that could be going on. Hey, uh, let's shift it back here. Uh, It's going to be relatively wet, windy, warm, I guess, for the next couple of days, and it looks like it dries out. Is does winter return with a vengeance at any point, according to the long range look here in Southwest Oregon? With the pattern that we're seeing, you have to you have to believe that yes, it will. Mm. Um, you know, I know what the I know what the um, groundhog said, but I'm also seeing a lot of um, activity that's saying spring is coming soon. In the fact that you know, I was just outside you know, getting our outdoor kitty in so she could you know warm up, get some food, and the buds on our tree in the front of our place are very noticeable. You've got all kinds of early bloom flowers, daffodils, crocus. Yep, yep, we're seeing that in our front yard, too. Got yeah. trees all over town blooming out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those those signs are there, you know, saying spring is uh, just about here. But on the other hand, you look at the type of pattern we're in, and we definitely, it's been a roller coaster for the last few weeks. You get these periods of storminess, then you drop into a period of inactivity, and then the storminess comes back. I don't think we're done with that storminess yet by any stretch. I think um, we're going to see that continue. The other thing that I think is, unfortunately, with all this early blooming and budding, that we're set up now for the potential for March and April for frost and freeze situations to yeah. develop that could be potentially really devastating, especially on agriculture. Now, I don't know. Uh, you know, everybody has a, if you got a cell phone, you got a weather app on it or something like that. And I just mm-hmm. happen to look. I don't know what feeds it. You never know. Sometimes, a lot of times it right. seems to be BS. But it's claiming that next Sunday we're looking for the possibility of snow and Monday snow with a low of 28 and a high of 37. I mean, that sounds pretty wintry, if that's true. Yeah, that, that's kind of a good example of what I mean, because when you look at the days leading up to that, um, you know, again, we're looking fairly decent and temperatures running up into the 60s. And I have said, and I think I said it last Monday, I think you did. when the sportsman show shows up in Medford, there is a long history. In fact, I think every year the show has been here, we usually are going to see some really um, wintry weather develop where snow levels will get really low. So it didn't surprise me to see it. I was just kind of kind of thinking honestly from the show aspect i wish that would have hit on friday and saturday rather than the timing that's being shown right now but is what it is yeah okay as far as the outdoor activity you can pretty much do whatever you want but uh, how's the fishing for this week given the uh the winds and the blusteriness or what do you think well you know and again the the worst of the weather that we're seeing the stuff that would really impact you for doing outdoor activities. It's all down in California. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, that just opens the door up to enjoy a lot of things. Um, and still, winter steelhead fishing just can't be beat because you've got rivers still running with almost ideal flows, water clarity. I mean, everything you want to see to have good winter winter steelheading is happening right now. Yeah, except for the Klamath, of course, which is running like sludge. <sighs> 
Yeah. Yeah, don't even get me started on that because I knew a disaster was coming. I wondered what was going to happen when they started taking those dams out. Things that I did not even think about happening was wildlife getting stuck in, I won't necessarily call it quicksand, but the mud and the silt and the debris left behind as the wildlife are trying to get to water to drink, they're getting into this stuff and they're bogging into it and they're sinking in and getting stuck. Nobody was ready for that. They have now rushed emergency rescue equipment that they need to, I know Hornbrook Fire got it and I think uh, they um, got it to Cal Fish and Game in Siskiyou County because now they're having to do animal rescues in these muddy areas where there once was water that there isn't anymore. And then I've already seen some data released showing the spikes in things like uh, mercury, ammonia, I mean, really lead really harmful, detrimental things that are now just coursing through that river. And I can't remember which element it was. Something was 137% above acceptable safety standards. Hmm. And we still haven't gotten to the part where the reason they took these things out to save the salmon oh, I know. ultimately it, is going to fail. This I, is going to fail catastrophically. I had a friend of mine who emailed me over the weekend that, uh, and and this uh, this makes sense. I can't vet this or not, but uh, there was someone who apparently he ended up uh, calling a tribal friend of his the other day, and uh, the uh, tribal uh, person was saying, "We're not a bunch of environmentalists down here." And the claim is that uh, his particular tribe, and like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this all private here for right now, just for anonymity, okay, said that right. they, they petitioned Pacific Power repeatedly for a fish cannon or some other fish passage measures, the ones that I've been talking about for years, the salmon cannon, yep. like uh, what Woosh Enterprises of Seattle does. Right. And the basic take here, the dam removal was cooked up in the corporate government cake. And that they, right. and then they used the Yurok greens in that tribe as a wedge, and so right. undoubtedly government money uh, going here. I thought that was a very interesting theory that he brought up, and it, it makes makes more sense to me because right. I, I just can't. You know, if you if you're truly going to be living on uh, on, and you want these fisheries restored, how is what's going on on the Klamath really going to restore those fisheries in any in our lifetime, perhaps even? Not because if it was as simple as being able to say the dams alone are doing this, well, then the Klamath should have been showing something that no other river systems are showing because we've got river systems up and down the West Coast with no significant dams on them, no nothing, and their fish runs are declining. So it's not just the dams. And the coalition that got built to take the dams out it included some really interesting bedfellows that I don't think have ever come together on any other issue, but I'll give you a name. Jason Atkinson. Oh, yeah. Jason Atkinson was a huge supporter of taking the dams out. Any other time, Jason Atkinson running with the environmentalist, you never see it happen, ever. Interesting. Uh, point well taken. I've kind of wondered about this, too. But, but I, I, I must say, though, is that what, not, what, does, what, what doesn't get talked about, though, Mr. Outdoors, is also the impact of large fishing trawlers off of our coast, too. Uh, you know? Yeah, you've 
got, and we can talk about this too, and this could take the rest of the show to really cover it in depth. But real quick, what was Jason Atkinson's interest? He is a fly fisherman, steelhead nut, and he wanted those rivers restored for himself and his interest. That was it. Mm -hmm. This is also a guy who has pushed taxpayer-funded bicycle velodrome. Yeah, the velodrome. I remember that. Into car racing. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I I have to tell you. And can we uh, can we survive our political elites? Sometimes I wonder here, Mister Outdoors. Well, get, get back, okay. You were you were touching on something: the trawlers, the ocean conditions, mm-hmm. more seals, more sea lions, more bad factors for the fish once they do make it to the ocean. Never mind what's been going on. And you know, Stan Mapolsky has said it. I've said it. You know, this is a historically dry region, and when you get to drier time periods, now you factor in all of the human factor about draws on water sources. It may not necessarily all be directly from the Klamath, but indirectly, these are all systems that feed the Klamath. There's never been greater demand for every drop of water. This is not 1840 anymore. Agreed. This is 2024. You cannot expect to pull out the dams and automatically restore that river to 1840. It isn't going to happen. Agreed. And on that note, I thank you so much for the report, as always. And I want to make sure that people come and see you. When are you doing your shows at the KDRV Outdoorsman show this weekend? Well, of course, having the booth, I'm there all weekend. So, And I think I'm going to be same spot where I've been last couple of years, which is right down on the main floor near the big fish tank, um, but definitely in the Sportsman's Theater at 11 a.m. on Saturday for the Wolf Talk. We're going to get caught up on the latest on what's going on with wolves, and then, of course, uh, Scott Vallette and I hosting the Bigfoot Town Hall, and a town hall is a different thing. We want people to show up with their stories. We want people to show up with pictures and videos of things that they just can't understand, and show up to ask questions. This isn't about Scott and I making a presentation. We definitely want people there to hear from the people who show up. All right. We'll uh, get the report from that on next Monday. All right. We'll see you then, Greg. Thanks again. You be got well. it, Bill. Greg Roberts at uh, RogueWeather.com. And of course, uh, he'll be the MC at the uh, KDRV uh, Newswatch 12 Sportsman and Outdoor Recreation Show. It's this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, of course, presented by Bymart. Always appreciate their uh, sponsorship of good stuff like this. And if you would like a pair of tickets, I will give a pair right now to caller 8 and caller number 9. It's 770-5633-770-KMED. Good luck. We'll have fun. I know you'll have fun there. The Rogue Gardener, sponsored by Grange Co-op. Gardeners start seeds indoors so that they can get a jump on the growing season. The farther north you go and where there are still gardeners, the more you're going to see people starting seeds indoors to take advantage of the benefits of the warmth and that we can then extend the growing season by weeks and even by a month or two. Talk to Stan Saturdays 10 to noon, Sunday morning Encore at 9 on KMED at KCMD. 
Your smile is the key to your health and confidence. Did you also know that research has concluded people have almost as much fear about finding a new dentist as they do about going to the dentist? Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Johnson, and here at Dental Excellence, we value the confidence and trust our patients have in us. My 20 years of experience in thorough training equals comprehensive dental care. From creating that perfect filling or doing that perfect root canal in my dental microscope to restoring a patient's confidence with implant-supported dentures, we can do it all here at Dental Excellence. For those who need, I am highly trained and certified in IV sedation and the art of creating a comfortable, relaxed, stress-free environment. Are you looking for friendly, compassionate personal care? Come and join our excellent dental family. Call 541-779-6170 today for a free consultation. Dental Excellence. Dental Excellence. Changing lives one smile at a time. Turn up your radio. Here's the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. There wasn't one single bank, not one insurance company, that ever had a claim of any kind against Donald J. Trump or the Trump Organization or the Trump kids. Not one. If you want to talk about a grave injustice, so nobody here is complaining. Every single person got paid back. They got paid back on time. As it relates to the issue of valuations, this is probably the most interesting to me because the person that was that that had the most egregious uh, evaluation or I'm sorry, valuation of any property was Judge Ngoron himself. Check out the Sean Hannity radio show later today, right here. Ronald Reagan took this country from the depths of inflation in the 1970s to economic prosperity in just a few years' time. He knows a thing or two about saving a country in distress. And now you can get your hands on a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. All qualified callers who call the top-rated precious metals company, Goldco, this week will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. Call 855-815-GOLD and get yours free while supplies last. Ronald Reagan cut taxes, cut government spending, and gave us peace through strength. Now you can celebrate this great president with a limited-run half-ounce silver coin from the top-rated precious metals company, Gold Co. They're a seven-time Inc. 5000 winner, number one-rated gold IRA company with over 5,000 five-star reviews. Call them today at 855-815-GOLD and get your hands on a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. Call 855-815-GOLD. That's 855-815-GOLD. 106.3 KMED, 99.3 KCMD. This is The Bill Myers Show. Delighted that you are here this morning, 734. And congratulations to Chuck Anderson and Brandon Farquhar. Uh, both of them going to the Newswatch 12 Sportsman and Outdoor Show. And we got a bunch of tickets to give away. We're going to give away another pair next hour. So uh, before I take off today, I'm going to make sure and, and give you another uh, shot at that. Maybe maybe I'll give away another two pairs. It's that sort of thing. I want to make sure that you get a chance to go to this show, if at all free. Great. Okay. We'll make sure and uh, have that happen. Uh, 7.35. Now, we're going to break for the rest of the news, and then in just a moment, we have State Representative Kim Wallen checking in from the special session, not the special session, the short session, and it actually is in session today. I was wondering if maybe on Lincoln's Day, or President's Day, rather, 
that this would uh, not be happening. But no, that's not the case. They are working it hard, and we'll get the update next. If you want to enjoy everything an active and vibrant senior community has to offer, the Springs at Anna Maria Medford is the right lifestyle option for you. Life is easier living among friends and neighbors in stylish private apartments with large balconies, all while fully supported by our team of dedicated caregivers and service professionals. The Springs at Anna Maria is located in a quiet neighborhood close to Rogue Regional Hospital. Call to schedule a tour of the independent and assisted living community. 541-774-1822. Choosing a company to drill your well is a major decision. You have a lot to consider. Experience, reputation, equipment, price, and most importantly, the finished project. Clouser Drilling stands behind their work and guarantees materials and workmanship. Quality and integrity has helped Clouser Drilling grow to be one of the largest drilling companies in the state. They provide the best overall value and make sure the job is done right. Competent and capable. That's Clouser Drilling. Call today for a free written estimate. 476-7795. Visit clouserdrilling.com. KMED, KCMD News, sponsored by Millette Construction, specializing in foundation repair and replacement. Get on solid ground by visiting MilletConstruction.com. Good morning, I'm Marcus Villa with your MEC5 Morning News Update. In your local crime news, police are still looking for a suspect wanted for several charges, including first and second degree child neglect. Friday, Jackson County Sheriff's Office rescued an infant and toddler that were abandoned by 24-year-old Justin Trompeter. Trompeter was hiding with the two children when he fled the scene before deputies arrived. If you know Trumpeter's whereabouts, you are urged to call ECSO. A local group is still moving forward with its initiative and hopes to qualify for the May ballot to change how Jackson County is run. Jackson County for All seeks to expand the board of commissioners from three to five and make them nonpartisan. It has now gathered more than 10,000 signatures, way more than they need, in hopes of getting three different measures on the ballot. The group wanted to put them on the November ballot initially, but campaign manager Denise Krause says they gathered so many signatures, they decided to move it to May. Jackson County for All plans to turn in the signatures to the county clerk's office this week. County Administrator Danny Jordan said the effort will cost the county $200,000 to $500,000 in overhead expenses to add two county commissioners. Krause said if it passed, the three commissioner salaries would be reduced, as the total salaries would then be split five ways. She believes the county's budgeted overhead expenses are inflated. That's a look at your morning headlines from C5 News. I'm Marcus Veal. Hope you had a nice weekend and have a great start to your week. This hour of the Bill Meyer Show is proudly sponsored by Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros and Full Service Auto Repair. Hi, it's Jolene at Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros. If you're wondering about the condition of your tires, stop in and we'll check your tread level and give you an honest assessment on wear and your ability to navigate wet, slick roads. And if you need new tires, Phoenix Auto Center has a great selection of top brands brands like General, Hercules, Cooper, Continental, Falcon, Mastercraft, BF Goodrich, and more. For the best tire prices and service, see your local family-owned Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros on Main in Phoenix. Hi, it's Bill Meyer, and I'm with Sharice from No Wires Now. It's time to switch to DISH. You bet. If you have direct TV or cable TV, call me today to see how I can save you money. Plus, I'll lower your internet and cell phone bill. And those offers in the mail from DISH, you can go through No Wires Now for those. Call me at 541-680-5875. Call Sharice like I did or visit their showroom off Biddle Road in Medford. NoWiresNow.com. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Internet and cell phone service are not provided by 
Gateway Dish. If you're remodeling your house, start with the foundation. Millette Construction offers a no-pressure, thorough inspection of your home's foundation and a no-obligation estimate if your house needs work. The foundation is most important because all of the repairs and upgrades you're planning from the floors, windows, doors, cabinets, even the roof can be affected if your foundation is unstable. Be sure you're on solid ground. Millette Construction will level your house and correct the shifting soil problem. Visit MilletteConstruction.com. Hi, I'm Jim with the Beauty Mark Salon and Glitter Bar, and I'm on KMED and KCMD. 20 before 8, and State Representative Kim Wallman back on the show. And while the short session's on, we'll at least get a weekly update here. Unless the, the world's coming to an end, then we'll, we'll talk with you as that breaks. But uh, has there been any bill to uh, end the world yet? It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, no. Oh, okay, all right. Yes, yes. Democrats declare the end of the world here. and I'm just teasing, but you, you just never know. Hey, um, there hasn't been a lot of news. I've seen some movement going on about uh, making Oregon standard time. I'm actually okay with that. I know it wouldn't take the uh, act of Congress to approve that if we just decided to keep, well, the, the clocks where they are right now. Is that going to move at this point moving forward, or what's the status of that? Have you kept track of that? It may not be the biggest deal, but a lot of people have been interested in it, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. It's a Senate bill, so if it does come over to the House, it will be in rules, which is my committee. Mm -hmm. So I have been lobbied on it. Um, You know, the best thing about it is that it would stop the switching. She's calling the sponsors calling it ditch the switch. Yeah, ditch the switch, sure. Yeah, because the switching has been shown to cause a lot of trauma, and um, it just is hard on people. People tend to get sick. People tend there's like there's more deaths honestly around when the time changes. So yeah, and people, by the way, I've read the research on it. It's quite fascinating that whether you're getting supposedly more sleep or you're going the other direction and getting less sleep it appears to cause problems in society one way or the other. And there's no energy savings on it, really. That was kind of debunked a long time ago, which I think was the reason why they uh, went to, you know, to doing that in the first place. And some people, of course, will complain about everything just being Pacific Standard Time, but Standard Time is just the normal time. You just go there. Right. And so you won't have the sun shining at 930 at night. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it seems that way to me, you know, being an early go-to-bed guy, but... Well, the the sponsor said, we're still going to have long days in the summer in Oregon. It's just going to have a different time on the clock. Yeah. Yeah, that's (laughs) all. That's a really good point. (laughs) I get that. All right. Uh, The big drama, though, as you have said, has been Measure 110 and the housing plan. And where are we on all of this? Because there are a lot of moving parts. There are a lot of moving parts. The... Measure 110 is complicated because people don't understand the difference between a C misdemeanor and an A misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. And so a C misdemeanor is functionally equivalent to a violation. It's nothing. So the Democrats who want to be um, heroes for recriminalizing, and some of them don't want to be heroes for recriminalizing. There is a bit, there's about 50% in Portland who do not want even a C misdemeanor. But if the Democrats were to vote for a C misdemeanor, then it would not change things on the ground. It would, they would have technically recriminalized, but it's not worth it for the police to stop you for possession 
of a controlled substance if it's just a C misdemeanor because it's going to go to the DA. There's going to be problems with the evidence. It's going to get bargained down to nothing. You know, that's just not worth it. It has to be an A. Or the other conversations that are going on are that it would be an unclassified or a, a U class. What does that mean? Class. What does that mean? Um, we have other other misdemeanors in our criminal code that are unclassified, that are special. And so this would be a special drug misdemeanor that would, the idea would be if the police officer encounters you, you have possession, you would be given a choice, jail or treatment. Right now, this is your choice. Of course, we don't have enough treatment beds to make that actually work, but that would be the idea. And no other misdemeanor is, no other crime is handled like that precisely, although what, what we were doing with drug court was close to that. It just you didn't get into treatment until, you know, months down the road as the court case played out. So there's negotiations going on right now. I'm not sure where that's going to land. I really don't know. I try I have written down, you know, some guesses, but I it just depends on where the votes are. And yeah. it also depends on whether the Democrats are willing to use Republican votes to get there. So would the Democrats use 27 Democrat votes and 20 or 25 Republican votes, they like to get things done with 31 Democrat votes. They don't oh. like to need us. And so that's a big part of the politics behind what's going on. And if they need some Republican votes to be able to make changes to Measure 110, the Republicans are going to demand, hey, we want more teeth in this. We don't want this uh, measure this uh, or this uh, misdemeanor C, this C misdemeanor, right? Correct. Mm. Correct. Exactly. But if they do the C, then it will be a very difficult vote for us because on the one hand, it would technically be recriminalized, but also it's not meaningful. So there's a lot of politics going on right now. The, uh, you might have seen the article the uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court wrote a letter last week to the co-chairs of the committee that said that their draft bill, the original bill that made it a Class C misdemeanor, was completely unworkable by the judicial department, that the judges would not be able to make it function. So that definitely sent them back to the drawing board and, and made everything a lot more confusing. Would a Class B misdemeanor help more, or is it still not uh, enough of a violation to really be used as leverage to get people to go into treatment? If they do a class B, it would be sort of more like the special class because, yeah, you know, in order to get people into treatment, you have to have that spelled out in the law. So if you were to just do a class B, it wouldn't be functionally enough. The thing about a class A is it's 365 days in jail. So it theoretically could send you to prison. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that that could make someone wake up out of their uh, fentanyl, uh, out of their fentanyl Maybe, high, and think about be, that. It might be it might be three sixty four. It might be one day short of a year. Mm-hmm. But the C is thirty days, and I I'm not sure on the B, but it's not a year. You know, it's essentially a year. So yeah, when you are facing maybe not prison, but a year in the county jail, you're gonna have a way different attitude about that than. 30 days in jail because 30 you're not going to get it because by the time it goes through the judicial process 
it's going to be functionally the same as nothing. So, um, and it's just important for people to understand that difference between CNA and people don't understand the difference. And so the, de- the devil's in the details, as we always say. And so we're just going to have to keep watching that three more weeks. Yeah. See what they do with it. Representative Kim Wallen. Uh, I was, uh, you know, wondering here, you know, you hear about this, um, is it really one of those things where your Democratic colleagues just don't want to have any kind of judgment passed on illicit drug use? Is that, is that kind of the, you know, the founding principle that they're operating from and that there should be no judgment whatsoever and that, oh, you know, go ahead and do what you want and, you know, we're not going to worry too much about it. Is there almost a libertine aspect to your colleagues? Oh, for sure. We don't want to criminalize. Um, an addiction. We don't want to criminalize a, an illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I, the number—I don't know the numbers. You know, until we actually get it to the floor, I won't know the numbers, and I won't know what what they're willing to do. Because it's not my job to whip their caucus, just my caucus. I yeah. guess, I guess, on their caucus. But um, there are definitely some of them who want to want to get a handle on this and they understand the criminal system is the only way to do it. I just don't know how many. So people are not volunteering to, to get off the drugs, generally speaking. And unless you have a, a stick, that's just all there is to it. Okay. That really does seem to be the case. Yes. Mm. You know, you hear people talk about hitting rock bottom. Well, hitting rock bottom, you are very often for people is facing criminal charges. That that is the thing that get, wakes them up, and we can tell we've tried it this way, right? We've tried it without the criminal penalties, and look where that's gotten us. Yeah, there also is a direct connection for a certain percentage of homelessness and uh, chronic drug use like this, or chronic illicit drug use, because generally speaking, if your only goal is to get your next heroin or fentanyl or methamphetamine dose. Generally speaking, you're probably not real productive. I mean, you can't can't say everybody. I'm sure there are functioning addicts, too. Don't get me wrong. But there's probably not a whole lot of people that are going to work, holding down a job, being able to put down uh, rent and down payments, et cetera. That's just bottom line, isn't it? Oh, yes, correct. I was in a conference a while ago where someone said, Everyone on the street is addicted. Either they were addicted and that's how they got on the street or they got on the street through some other series of unfortunate events and and once on the street become addicted. Yeah. And your colleagues are thinking this is okay, or most of them are, or many of them are? It's okay? Um, I would say many. Yeah. I would say many. Not all. Not all. Okay. I would say. Yes. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, pretty wild times then. And so this takes us then to the other part of the drama in this uh, short session, and that has to do with uh, Governor Kotek's housing plan. And something tells me that the housing plan is not about uh, repealing the whole concept of an urban growth boundary and getting rid of Senate Bill 100. It's most likely just uh, giving us more of the problem. I-, I could be wrong, but how do you see it? Oh, there it's complicated, of course, because mm-hmm. the Democrats do, do tend to complicate things. Um, there is potential for some nibbling around the edges of the land use law, not significant changes. And it may be a situation where they write the law that doesn't, it theoretically could be used by cities, but 
in reality, when you start penciling the strings that are attached, you no one would actually use it to build. That could be used as a pilot, if you will, to say in two years, hey, that didn't work, or in a year when we come back into session, next long session, hey, well, we you gave us these tools and they, no one built according to them, so that won't work. We need to do something different. That sometimes that is a thing that happens up here a lot, where you pass a law to make the point. You know, it doesn't really have any necessarily teeth in it, but mm-hmm. you make a point with it. So that could be what's going on. And then there's also the other part of it to watch is how much money is going to get dumped into it, and what that money is going to be for, and what the strings attach, and whether we actually have that money or whether we're borrowing it, because we can borrow. Um, we have to balance our budget, but we can borrow by a floating bond. So the money part of it is there's also lots of potential for dastardly things going on in there. And what and, and what is the revenue forecast appearing to be at this point in time? It, it appeared to be guardedly okay or better yeah, in some ways. Guardedly okay, right? Moderate, yes, mm-hmm. correct. Okay. So they could probably borrow with the assumption that, hey, we have some extra money coming in here or a little bit more money and then apply it to paying that back. Is that how that works? Yes. Okay. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or we can pass a statewide sales tax or a statewide property tax. Oh, that's probably not going to be till next time, though, next year, right? There's only one. No, maybe I, maybe he got one more. Maybe there were two sponsors on that property statewide property tax bill. Um, it went to rules instead of revenue. So that tells you a lot. That tells you it is not going to pass because I feel like that would have to go through revenue. Oh. Um, it, so it was a courtesy hearing or a shot across the bow. You never know. <laughs> well, it could okay. be it could be conditioning, though, where you get people to start thinking about yes. this as a potential uh, for uh, for next year. You, you, already, you float it out there and you see how it goes. There was another Correct. bill, which I think it came from the House. I, I, don't, I forgot to write down the House number. But I, I had read that it passed out of committee, and this is the one that uh, you've been on a school board before, have you not? Been a school board member? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that it would appear to make it even more difficult to have any local control over books in this half. And, and they're uh, passing. They wanted to pass this law to uh, under the guise of anti-discrimination, making sure you couldn't uh, keep the Island of Misfit Humans uh, porno books out of the uh, government schools. Is uh, is there any status that's that making noise up there right now? Because it sure grabbed my attention. Yeah, that one grabbed a lot of people's attention. I think it might pass, and if it, or at least get out of committee mm-hmm. on one side, doesn't mean it'll make it across the floor on the other side. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw the report yesterday that, or whatever day it came out. Oregon students have not. Have not recovered. Make up their learning loss. Yeah, have not recovered. In other states, they have. And I am concerned that the state's going to use that as a pretext to grab all kinds of power from local school boards. So this would be a minor in comparison to what I think they might try to do. So keep an eye on that. Yeah, nothing uh, nothing succeeds for Democrats uh, like failure when it comes to grabbing more power. You know, that's, that's always the... That's always the excuse. My concern about this is that uh, I've been advocating for people to just get out of the public school system if they could. Not that there aren't good people trying to work within it, but the state control of absolutely everything 
in in uh, education, and especially when you see them getting to the point where you know, and, and you tell people, hey, we need good people to go to work on the school boards, but it's like, what's the point if you're just going to be rubber stamping bad state policy? You know, it's a real tough, tough situation, and it appears the state wants to get even more of their hands on this. Fair enough on that? It's a very tough situation. I've long advocated that on the one hand, yes, you know, it's better not to have your kids in those schools, but we've got 14,000 kids in our Medford schools. I know. Just in Medford. And so they're not all going to go to homeschool and private school and charter school. They're just not. I I get it. And and yet, you know, long term, the idea is that you have to try to reform the public school system. But it's like if you really are interested in saving your kids right now, you got to get them out. I'm just how else do you put it with this kind of craziness? Well, I know. Like my personal kids, I would probably be homeschooling. I certainly did some homeschooling while my kids were in school. It's one of the reasons I got on the school board was so that I could have an up close and personal look at what was happening. Because there's good there's really good things that happen in the public schools that I did want my kids to access the sports at the high level, the plays, the journalism program, and mm-hmm. there were things that have operated at such a high level in Medford that I didn't want my kids to miss that stuff. So, but there's a lot of bad uh, that's now, but there's a lot of bad now that's being mandated right. through uh, state Correct. control. And It would be a very hard choice for me if my kids were at school age right now, but I still do believe long-term we have to fix the public schools because so many kids are going to keep going there. Yeah. Well, this uh, talk about the state. It's a tough deal. Yeah, but the state wanting to grab even more power of what has already been screwed up, mostly by state policy. And I have to dare say, uh, you know, you have progressive policy. You have public employee unions that really run the system. And boy, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to reform it from within. We're finding that out for sure. State Representative Kim Wallen, we appreciate it. I know you got to get on the floor here pretty soon and uh, get back to this, but I uh, appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, for the update. Anything we should be watching this week that is on the agenda that you can say that, hey, this is something that people really need to uh, weigh in on one way or the other, whether it's emails and calls, et cetera. Anything jumping out at you at the moment? Um, Not a ton. It really is all about Measure 110. Like okay. you said, the bills that... There's a there's some things out of healthcare that that affect small groups of people that I, it's going to be about Measure 110. It is. All right. It's going to be the story of the session. All right, State Representative Kim Wallen, we appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Okay, be well. Thanks. Thank you. Uh huh. Bye bye.